0: We had been up all night and it was our usual routine. I had coal in my arms and I was doing squats. Joel had the stroller beside me and he was ready to run it around the house. Uh, This wasn't the case of a baby who wouldn't go to sleep. This was a case of a baby who had been screaming in pain for 12 hours every single day till he was exhausted and then he would pass out and fall asleep for maybe an hour and when that hour came, we would be ready. The scream of a child in pain, it is the worst scream you can imagine. And you feel like you're being tortured and uh, someone is blaring, I don't know, like Megadeth in your ear while cutting off your toes. You end up yelling at your husband because um, you both can't figure out what's going on. And why can't you figure this out? Then you end up feeding your child. And you're dreading it. You're dreading the actual feeding. You're crying. Uh, Your snot is like dripping into your mouth. You've had the same clothes on as you did last week. And this time you hold up that special formula, which costs five times as much as all the others. And it's thickened with this specific oatmeal. And the bottle has this nipple that you bought in a store in America. And Your baby is just waiting and waiting for the food. He chugs the milk and he does it fast. And this is the moment. This is the moment that you think, okay, right now I'm going to change it all. What you do with your baby after that milk has been ingested is everything. That's what you're thinking in your head. You can't put your baby down. You don't move him. You don't place him on his back. You just hold him upright in this Simba pose. And you're you're praying to God. Even if you don't believe in God, you're saying, please let the milk go down. Please let it stay down. Let him fall asleep. Let him fall asleep in my arms so I can eventually put him down in a stand-up bed that was specifically made for him. please. And then you do everything right. And you think, this will be the time it'll work. But you see him go blue and his mouth isn't looking very good. And then the milk, you can actually see it coming up. And then he starts choking and he can't breathe and his heart monitor goes off and his heart rate dips and you start screaming and your husband runs in to take over because you can't even think. And he starts doing CPR. You go and call 911. And by the time the paramedics arrive, your child has cleared his airwaves. The milk is down. He's screaming and the cycle starts again. (sighs) reflux. Hi, my name is Josie Dye and I have this podcast called Love and Special Needs. I'm a parent of a severe reflux child. My husband and I went through a year of what I just described, calling 911, crying, losing our jobs, our friends, our own love for each other was basically gone during this time. And we would hear, we would hear other parents who, um, tried to relate I guess to us and they would say certain things like you know if you could just burp your baby a little more and those were the things I think that that became incredibly frustrating you know if you read online how to treat reflux I think this is the best burp your baby often bullshit Uh, feed your child smaller portions I'm calling bullshit on that as well don't jostle your child after feeding Jostle hell, like what, moving their baby finger just an inch? Is that what you mean? Um, and this is one of the best. Wait 30 minutes after feeding before putting your child to bed. Really? Or wait till they they're done screaming after two and a half hours when they're so exhausted they basically pass out on their own. That kind of seems more like what reflux is. We had a hard time and there are a lot of parents out there who are struggling just like us. And it was we were inconsolable. It really does tear apart your entire life. Um, Did I get an answer to my issues? I think so. I think I did. I think I, uh, in in previous podcasts, I said I was Dr. Google and um, I called every hospital in America and we're from Toronto. I called everyone trying to find the proper dosage. And once I did get the proper dosage, a life seemed to get a little better. But you know, it, it took me until my son was seven months before I got the proper dosage. So some people could say it was the dosage. Some people could say he was starting to grow out of it. Um, when does your child grow out of it? I think for severe cases, it is almost a year, maybe longer. Um. I'm hoping this podcast will give other parents some answers. Uh, today, it isn't just about me. I have a fellow mom here with me, and she has her own Facebook group for reflux parents. I also have Dr. Jeffrey Phillips on this podcast. And after months of no answers, he was the first doctor that actually gave me hope and i met him through a facebook group and i love that he was on this facebook group helping other parents and helping parents and you know he wasn't getting paid for it so i'm going to start this podcast by talking to dr jeffrey phillips uh
1: you know when in the down here in the states of course uh we have we had dr fauci and remember when he he said you don't need to use masks at the beginning (laughs) it's like what and then later like you need to use masks and then masks aren't that important it's like with refluxes, you don't need to treat reflux they'll grow out of it you know that's what's the kind of where they are right now in the fauci-esque world right you don't need to treat reflux and it's like well no one's just saying that you should just treat if a baby burps or spits up this is you know Reflex with significant symptoms that impair quality of life and pain, you know, cause severe pain. Everyone, of course, is all with treating pain appropriately, but in a baby, I guess it doesn't
0: matter. We're here with Dr. Jeffrey Phillips. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I was looking back yesterday at what my husband and I went through with reflux and the trauma and the the anxiety. Um, and I honestly feel like we have kind of had a little PTSD from it. I mean... Um, my relationship suffered. Um, so many different parts of my life suffered because of reflux.
1: And, and I've I've heard the same exact thing from many parents who, this is their second child and they're, you know, they were fearful. They almost didn't have a second child mm-hmm. or a third child because they were PTSD. They were like, and our, my husband and I almost split up over this. You know, we were no one slept we were at each other's throats and you know not related to any person that i've spoken to but of course shaken baby syndrome uh has gone way up with everybody of course with covid and this makes it worse yes yes Uh, it, it, it is a Essentially, GERD, we see the tip of the iceberg. If you've ever seen those pictures, I used to use them in presentations. When you only see a little bit of something, people don't realize how much of the iceberg is underwater. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what GERD is. We see this little tip. Everybody thinks of the iceberg. and And, you know, a lot of times caregivers are thinking, oh, well, they're a happy baby. They're gaining weight. And, you know. They're only gaining weight because the mother tries to feed them continuously. You know, that's all she does. That's her night and day, every time, everything, all her life.
0: So what do you say to a new parent who's drowning, who's like three weeks in and has months and months to go? What do you say to them?
1: Uh, well, I would, uh, of course, in healthcare, uh, as you're well aware, having had to go through what you've gone through, I um, you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. You Don't expect that you're going to just go and magic will happen. You're going to, and I'm not talking just about GERD. I mean, I'm, you know, well-versed all my life in healthcare as a professor. And when I go, I still have to be my own advocate. And that is a, probably the hallmark of any problem in healthcare that you find yourself in, but especially in GERD for the aforementioned reasons that everybody thinks, oh, well, all babies spit up, they'll be okay in a year. And it's like, a year? Try to stand on your head for a year. I mean, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other problems are, or the other things to think about is that there are treatments that are effective. We're fortunate that this isn't, you know, chemotherapy that we're using, right? These are drugs that have been amongst the most used drugs in the world beyond a shadow of a doubt in the top five and we know tr- so much about them um they've been out generally they say you you know a lot about the efficacy of a drug when it's approved and then you learn a lot about the side effects and adverse effects after about five to eight years mm-hmm. you know, because when a drug goes through approval they're primarily focusing on does it work And, you know, if, if of course, someone's head falls off during the study, they're going to go, wow, okay, well, that's probably from the drug. But in general, a lot of the adverse effects uh, aren't obvious, called obvious adverse effects. So we learn about those eight years or so afterwards. Well, these drugs have been out, uh, Omeprazole, which is Prilosec here, or Losec, uh, been out since 1989, um, Prevacid since 1995, so we have, we're way beyond eight years and, and they turn out to be exquisitely safe when used for generally a year or less, a year and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a key thing. Two things. You're the advocate. Second thing is there are treatments and in general, they're considered very safe and effective
0: you know, we took all the drugs, like we took all of them, or I guess my son took all of them, but we, we tried all of them. And finally we found that prefaced worked. Um, but as you know, because I spoke to you, my son, I felt like he was underdosed and I had to fight. I really had to fight to get them to allow my child to have 7.5, um, milligrams, three times a day. And it wasn't until I had that dosage that we actually saw a difference. Other parents out there, they don't know this. And I'm assuming it's because obviously every case is different. Is that why they don't prescribe this?
1: Yeah, we would like to say that. But, you you know, if you say that for everything, it gets a little old, right? Every case is different. Well, you know. We're much more similar than we're different. And especially in GERD, the symptoms are all similar. You know, the age range is similar. There's no generally no specific uh, physiological problem other than, you know, they're GI tract is developing and that little sphincter or valve between the stomach and the esophagus isn't mature. Okay. That's those are the common things. They lay down most of the time. Okay. That gravity isn't on there uh, helping them with reflux, right? Cause they're lying down and they uh, you know, have these common conditions. So we can't really say that, you know, it's because every case is particularly different. Yes. There are some little nuances, but in general, I think that one, Uh, there are, and I just actually was involved with a mom in Great Britain and I sent a letter with the factual information from the medical literature to her physician and he allowed her to go to three times a day. And that's made a significant difference already in just, you know, a few days. So when the reason that I think, unfortunately, the reason that we don't as a group have come together and go, wow, babies metabolize all the drugs faster than we do. Uh, this isn't new, right? I mean, not since I've been in school and which is, you know, way in the seventies. And I know way before then, because a lot of the textbooks were 25 years old. So we, kn- we know that, that after babies are four weeks old, they metabolize drugs and everything faster, generally. Uh, so that's why we have different dr- doses. We don't treat them like little adults, right? We don't go, oh, well, you're a little adult, so we're going to give you once a day dose, but a tiny little dose. Right. Yeah, we don't do that for anything. No. So uh, I think that if there's a very good... Uh, form of, of CME for physicians. That's the most commonly used CME for physicians called up to date. And it is up to date. And it uh, you go in and look anything up and you're going to be able to find what is the current data from an expert, a, a group of experts who've written that article. And on infant GERD, you know, it, it tells you don't just treat if they're just spitting up occasionally and everything's fine. I mean, these are things we always know, but uh, they, they say, look, they go right at with PPIs doses of PPIs in infants often have to be higher. Mm-hmm. So it is out there. The literature does show us. And and then there are studies that of course you have to read the study, which people don't, they read the abstract, but they don't read the study, but it, it is, there's a plethora of data saying, uh, no, with PPIs, uh, we need to use more and they need to be used more often.
0: So final question, what about all the other stuff like the oatmeal, the changing your diet as a mom, the raising of the bed, like does all of that stuff work?
1: You can lift their bed up and tilt them up and all those things. But again, they have an immature sphincter. So they're gonna still get reflux. Uh, And then, you know, we can go into, the problem is when you don't use the cornerstone treatment and then you try to use all these other treatments, that's when you end up with people, mom's not eating anything except for three things. Right. And yeah. they're, it's like witchcraft. They're thinking, this has yeah. got to be working because I can't do this much longer. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's, that's not helping. Yeah. That's not really helping. Well, yeah. I had, I'll give you an example. Uh, I mean, it's kind of silly. When I played little league football or best baseball, I had a, a, I got a hit one time with this one helmet on. So I always wore that helmet. It didn't have anything to do with me getting a hit, but so that's what people do. They're at way out on a limb, trying all this stuff. They, they said, Someone took them not, not to speak poorly of, of, a, of the a shaman, but they took their baby to the shaman. Uh-huh. They took their baby to, you know, all these people who, you know, They put rose quartz around their neck, you know, little beads. I'm going, okay, but you're still not treating the underlying issue, which is acid getting into the esophagus up to the airways. You're not fixing that. Now, is it a miracle? Do they completely, you know, do they graduate college that day? No. They, you know, what happens is the symptoms start to improve. A lot of symptoms that babies have with reflux are related to what's called conditional learning. You know, they learn that if they eat food, they're going to cry. It's going to hurt. So they don't eat, you know, and everybody goes, well, I've started the, you know, medicine at the right dose, but it's been seven days and they're still not interested in feeding. I go, it may take, you know, two weeks to three weeks for them to unlearn that it's painful when I take a bottle. Right, so uh, there is that behavioral part of it, and I think uh, realizing that. But what you're looking for is take, and we have there's a on infantacidrefluxsolutions.com. There's a diary you could PDF download, and you can just keep a diary of you know every couple days in at the same time of day. You reflect on how things have gone. Are things improving? Are about the same regarding each individual symptom that your baby has. And that, cause you know how it is. It's kind of like the fog of war when you're in it, you can't remember what happened an hour ago. So you do have to kind of keep doing it routinely and at about the same time, but it only takes a few minutes. And then you can start to see, wow, well, this one's really gone away and gosh, we don't have this anymore. And uh, this one's still kind of hanging in there, but it is seemingly getting better.
0: You leave the hospital after four months and it's home time. This is it. This wonderful year you think you're going to have with your child. You're going to stay home from work. You're going to bond with your baby. Uh, For me, I decided eight months off was enough as I'm a broadcaster in a really competitive industry. Um, People were being fired at my work. Jobs were being moved around, but I couldn't go back after my child had just left the hospital. There was no way I could do that. And he was in the hospital for four months. So that meant... I had four more months alone with my my little newborn. And these months at home, well, you know, you think, okay, we're gonna have long walks. We're gonna take pictures. We're going to be, you know, we're gonna have play dates in the park. We'll watch a daytime TV and make baby food from scratch. I remember that it was something I was like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. We'll even, you know, bring the baby to work so that everyone can see my little pumpkin. Uh, yeah, that's the dream, right? When Cole left the hospital, we had to purchase a suction for his mouth so that he wasn't choking and we could suction the milk from his esophagus. We bought our own heart monitors because when he left, his heart was still dropping as the hospital um, said that he had bratties, I guess you could call them. And yeah, that, that didn't go well after that. Our first week at home, we thought we would do shifts. I would stay up all day with Cole and sleep from midnight to 4 a.m. Joel would take him from 12 to 4 a.m. And then in the afternoon as well. And this seemed reasonable, except during that time, he would be choking. And when he choked, I screamed and would run and Joel would have to take over and do CPR. And, you know, he owned his own business. Um, He sacrificed so much. And we had to eventually move beside my parents so that then my mom could help and could take my child for a few hours. It was horrible. And, and I don't know if anyone should have to go through what we went through. With me right now is Laura Bennett. She has her own Facebook group, Infant Reflux Support for Gridlings. Uh, she has almost 8,000 members and I wanted her to tell her story.
2: Um, okay. So in a nutshell, my child had reflux from birth. So right after birth, he I was having apnea, um, episodes and sometimes that can look like seizures or it could be something wrong with the heart. So they whisked him away and they didn't know what was wrong with him. And they finally figured it out that it was reflux and that, um, he went, had to go home on a monitor, an apnea monitor. He was in the, like I said, in the NICU cause he had turned blue from not breathing. And so, um, from there, I just dove into the world of infant reflux and just kind of took charge with him and his case. And I just realized that there's a lot of um, doctors and people and parents out there who just have no idea because I had no idea. Um, I, it was before Facebook. I jumped on the Internet and I just I just dove right in. Um, and so I just I've learned the causes of reflux. I mean, in my son's case, um, it was mostly his immature LES, his lower esophageal sphincter, um, because he had just had colostrum. So he's not refluxing on my milk or anything in his diet.
0: Can you tell me about the emotional agony that you went through? Because sure. It, sure. it was, yes, intense.
2: it's, it is, it's very intense because, well, for one thing, um, my son had what's called silent reflux, but it's not silent. It's, it was anything but silent. So, what happens is it's a double burn. The um, acid goes so far up the esophagus that um, it burns. It's a double burn, goes back down. And so, and that's where the apnea comes in because it burns and it's so painful that his, his lungs shut down to protect themselves. Like, that's why he was having apnea episodes. That's how much it burned. So, so he screamed and he howled and he yelled. And um, it was, and one night, Actually, of um, this intense 24-hour screaming, where I just didn't—I I just didn't—I didn't know what else to do. I had him in the car seat, at the car seat on the dryer. I, I just—I I just was at my wits' end, and it was at a time when I had finally gotten a uh, PPI for him, and nobody told me. And now I could look backwards, but anyway, so I didn't know what to do. I called the doctor's office. This, the other. day, I hopped on the internet and I figured out proper dose to give to him. And, um, but he screamed so much, he went hoarse. Like, can you imagine like how horrific to have your baby lose his voice? Like he, it was, it was just the worst 24 hour, I think ever. And, and it's hard to come back from that again, with the, having your child on a monitor that could go off, he's not breathing. You have to learn, you can't leave the NICU without, um, knowing CPR. I mean, that in itself is scary. Like what? Uh, so it, it was very, very, very stressful. Yes.
0: And what at what point did it all end for
2: you um okay total end and i'll be honest because the beginning everybody always tells you oh give it three months give it six months oh nine months oh a year oh 18 months oh. so and i do understand why those goals are given because you need some help i mean you really do so to give hope, usually it's 12 months. So for me, yeah. eh, Yeah. At 12 months we were winding down, but I mean, I would say up until my, he was three years old, I would have to give a Tums at night sometimes, but sometimes, you know, so it went from like the max dose of a PPI with, you you know, with, um, uh, an H2 blocker with caraphate I mean, uh, the kid was on everything. It went from that to just, uh, I mean, a, t- a, t- a tons. Did you have to fight for a stronger dosage? Did you have to do that? Okay, yes. Um, I did. In fact, I was a pioneer because, um, you know, everything that came out of the University of Missouri, I was part of that. So I was a pioneer. And I, like I said, I hopped on the internet. And at that time, the really was not Facebook, and I know I shouldn't be dating myself, but there was no Facebook, and I found um, Infant Reflux um, Forum, and I hopped on, and from there, I learned such wonderful, first about the dosing, and then I learned about the compounding, and that the flavor would make it lose stability. So the moms, moms, the amazing power of these mothers, and sometimes a father, is, is beyond... Comprehension because these parents have put together, me, myself included, I'm sure you, yourself included, have put together and solved things that pharmacists aren't caring or knowing about doctors aren't knowing or caring about you know what do they care if the cherry flavor lasts 10 days and the you know you seem to be getting a little bit more from the non-acidic times but oh this works better I mean moms figured it all out they figured everything out that the compounds are losing stability and things like that I don't want to say had a nervous breakdown but like I I had to I went to therapy and I didn't know what to do because I felt like this whole year was ruined it was wasted I didn't get to enjoy my child like and that's really a weird feeling too. And I work in the school system, so I have the summers off. So I took a year off to be my child. And this year was
0: like so intense and just
2: not, you know, there are moments of joy, of course, but it was just it was just a really, really difficult
0: year. This is a topic I am obviously really passionate about. And I know that there are millions of parents going through this right now. I have an email. You can email me, Die at hotmail.com. That's J-O-S-I-E-D-Y-E at hotmail.com. As I said, what worked, ended up working for me was a dosage. So I went to 7.5 MGs three times a day, I prefaced. Uh, We were also on other medication um, and uh, I can't seem to find what it was, but it was the PPI, I think, that eventually worked. As I said earlier, we did try raising the bed with a monitor um, so that obviously we, we would be warned if something happened like my son, you know, flipped over or something. Um, but really that didn't work. I ended up sleeping with him in my arms. I found a good position sitting upright. And after, you know, a few hours of him falling asleep in my arms, I would then attempt the transition of putting him down flat. Um, it's hard. It is so hard. I think my only advice is if you have any extra money, (laughs) at all, you know, don't buy shampoo, don't buy um, clothes for yourself, Uh, hire someone to help you for one or two hours during the day, because you need your sanity. And if You don't have that ability, um, find a loved one and find a friend, find someone, get your friends involved, get them on some sort of routine where you can have one friend come over a day for two hours because you need your sanity. And this will pass. (laughs) Don't you love hearing that? This will pass. And when it passes, you are going to be so thankful that this is over. So um, good luck. I hope this podcast helped. Obviously, I am a mom and not a doctor, um, but you can reach me at Die at hotmail.com.